This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. PHLY Sixers podcast. I'm Derek. That's Kyle joining you back in the PHLY studios. How are you doing, Kyle? I'm doing great. We're in, this is our first show in, is this Studio B or do we have names for these things yet? The um, other studio. Um, yeah, the other studio, I guess, for everyone at home. Uh, it's nice to be here. Yep. It was. It's now finally all set up after a lot of work from the team. So happy about that. Obviously, Derek and I Got the Phillies hats on. We're in red October spirit right now. We already have people, Wallace, asking if Jaden Springer's preseason breakout is more important than the Phillies playoff win or the Eagles win in LA like Randy on Sunday. Saying, Randy Ruber saying Springer looked all right. I think you're underselling uh, it a little bit there. We'll get to that. I well, think you're underselling it. So first, first and foremost, Derek, how was your weekend after you got stuck with me in a, another for state a for time, an entire for a week and spent a lot of time in close quarters? No, look, it was, you know, we obviously spent the, the prior week in Fort Collins, Colorado State, at Sixers training camp. Uh, it, it was just a weekend of getting back into life, like getting myself reintegrated yeah. into my life, my family's life, all that stuff that I had been able to ignore for a week. Uh, it was it was a good uneventful weekend outside of sports. Obviously, sporting um, with the Eagles and whatnot was was very big, and the Sixers, of course, which is what we're talking about here. Uh, but no, it was, a, it was a good low key weekend, which I think is what I needed after a week with you. Well, so I had I went to an event that I was not aware you're able to do in Philadelphia. We went to it was a 30th birthday for a close friend of ours, and did you know that you can rent out? to do a cheese tasting at DeBruno Brothers okay. after hours. Makes sense. It's like cheese after dark. It was one of the craziest things I've ever gone to, but very cool. The people there were uh, just really pleasant and knew a lot about cheeses and hams and what have you. And you know, it's BYOB on top of that. So you get a nice little the DeBruno the, yeah, the De Bruno and the Italian market. I miss. So I was, used to live on 11th Street. I miss. I miss oh, it's area. going to the Italian market is so nice being able to walk there and you just smell all the different foods in the area. So yeah, that was my weekend. Other than the, other than Sixers and Philly sports nonsense. Yep. yep. Not nonsense. It was a good Philly sports weekend. Yeah, good yeah. Philly sports weekend. Lots of wins and obviously a Sixers loss to the Celtics, which 
What would you expect? Well, <laughs> it was funny. So I was, I was rewatching portions of the game this morning uh, to prepare for the show. And at one point, I, it was the Boston feed that I was watching. And at one point, uh, the announcer, the Boston announcer goes, if I know Philly sports or uh, Philly radio at all, they're going to use this Tyrese Maxey performance to say they need to trade James Harden. And it's like, you clearly don't know Philly sports talk radio <laughs> at all because they're not watching this game. They have no idea no, it exists. No, they're no. not going to talk about it at all tomorrow. They have the Eagles to talk about. And quite frankly, yeah, the Eagles are 5-0. and They just played a game. If it was rookie camps in July, they would talk about that over preseason uh, basketball as well. And then you have the Phillies trying to knock off the Braves again. That's not on their radar. But it is on our radar. We know there's a lot of people who want to talk about Jaden Springer's breakout performance. We're here for you. We're here for you. We're here for you, as ATN once said. So I think you you mentioned the loss. Don't think I really care about that. Nobody at all. cares about preseason results. Well, and a lot of that, like they were very competitive during the competitive portion of that game. A lot of that came, you know, you looked up at one point and there's like Smart and Ricky Council and Petrosev, and it's like, oh my God, I think Mobamba might be the number one scoring option <laughs> on the floor right now. That's really when they lost the game. Nobody really cares about that. Yeah, it was 81 80 after yeah. three quarters, and that's essentially when all the regular rotation guys. Got pulled. So I, I would say when you consider that Joel Embiid was out, James Harden was out, DeAnthony Mountain was out, for the Sixers with Maxi and the rest of these guys to play the Celtics starters even was a good thing. For yeah. sure. And obviously, you know, Tyrese Maxey scored a lot of points, 24. I think 19 of them came in the first half. He was on fire from the perimeter. Maybe didn't quite do as much playmaking as we would like. We'll get into that. But I think the clear story of that game was Jaden Springer who I think, you know, you go back to last week's podcasts a couple weeks ago, we've been talking like, I'd like to see him get a chance. I don't know if he's ready, but just because of what he can bring defensively, I want to see if he's made enough progress to stick on the floor. Yeah. And boy, that was maybe the first time in Jaden Springer's career that I went, that looks like an NBA player. He visually popped on the screen. And, you know, to our concerns that we had previously, Derek, he didn't get into the game until... About six minutes left in the second quarter, I believe. And at that point, going through my mind is, oh, so he's pretty far down Nick Nurse's list. It doesn't like look like he's going to get his chance this year. And then he comes in the game, and it looks like he was shot out of a cannon. Yeah. I think, look, he came into the league, and you could see he had some physical tools, right? He's always been a very stocky kid, can mix it up. And that was his whole game in college is – getting to the free throw line, taking those little mid-range jumpers and and bullying through people. But he couldn't do that as a a 19-year-old, a 20-year-old. And that included it at Summer League too. And so to see him come into this game and physically impose his will, and more importantly, have the mental side and like the awareness to know this is when I need to get there Mm -hmm. or this is my opportunity to come down with all these offensive rebounds and traffic amongst taller guys even bigger guys like somebody like Jalen Brown is right there that's a a big strong guy in his own right for Jaden to be able to get there and make plays and mix it up physically and then of course to also hit a pair of threes in the game that touch looked pretty good from the outside that was an overwhelmingly positive performance and even though he started the second half because PJ Tucker got the rest of the night off I really like that nurse saw how he finished that first half and said Let's continue building this kid's confidence and give him a run out yep. there against Boston starters and with the Sixers, the rest of their starters for that game. And that was, I mean, look, Boston is as big and athletic on the wings and the perimeter as any team in the league. Yeah. And he he looked the part. Uh, he's 
one of the few Sixers players over the years who looks like they can fit in in that style of play against that opponent. There are two plays that I really enjoyed and I took the most from. One offense, one on defense. I'm curious if you can guess. We've been known each other for a long time. I'm curious if you can guess which two they were. Well, the defense one, I think our producer, Andrew, will probably it's be not, able to pull up. Oh, it's, it's not, not that play. Because wow. I, knew, I knew he could do that. Okay, so actually, while we're on the subject, if Andrew can pull up, there was a clip of, yeah, of Jaden Springer going up and meeting Jason Tatum at the rim for a block. The athleticism to make that play, awesome. The fearlessness to go up and do it is a completely separate thing as and well. Nick was talking about that in Colorado where, like, we need you to be weak side rim protector. Even if you're not going to get a whole bunch because you're shorter, well, he, he can get them. Uh, we need you to be doing that. Great play, but I sort of knew he could do that. And I will say, I went back, and I have a service that I used to rewatch a lot of the plays. There were two plays that the service sort of, like, screwed up on and played it back to me three times in a row. <laughs> one of them was that one, which I, I appreciated. I was okay with that. It was good enough to watch three the times The other one was a Mo Bamba miss dunk. I didn't appreciate oh, that one quite as much. But no, that was not the defensive play. So, here, so there's two of them. Offensively, there was a, I think it was Danny Green running a dribble handoff for whatever reason, but it's preseason. There All were, your players we'll are out. There's some weird shit going on. Later, yeah. Danny Green running a dribble handoff, finds a cutting um, Springer, who then takes one or two dribbles and bounce pass back to, I think it was Paul Reed, might have been Obama, but just the, he made multiple good decisions in a row from the thing to cut to putting the ball on the floor to making the pass. I loved it. I didn't think he would have done that a couple of years ago. Defensively, there was one where he was fighting over a screen, um, basically denied Jason Tatum uh, the driving lane by fighting through the screen, forced the pass to Porzingis. Porzingis tried to put the ball on the deck. One, two dribbles, Springer's dug down, ripped it right out of him. And again, both of those were multiple things that he did well in one possession and yeah. really showed all the, on defense, the strengths that he has on offensive progress that he's made. I was thrilled with, uh, with that Springer performance. And I, it's not just like, you know, taking and making shots. That's great. Right. I need more sample to see that. It's also, he just made pretty good decisions. I was really impressed. Yeah. I think you can see that he, this is year three in the league for him, right? That everything right. is starting to come together and, Things that were ideas for him before are now becoming reality. I just, what I love about that Tatum block is the fact that he went up at all, right? So many yep. guys, especially young guys, play not to get embarrassed. And they would rather play the matador and let the guy go and let them dunk on their team instead of potentially getting put on a poster. And some of that is just like, guy gets dunked on now. That's They have to live with that highlight for the rest of time, essentially. And it invades their social media and what have you and so a young guy taking on the challenge like that and saying screw it i have to make my impression yep. on a new coach and this is my calling card my ticket to getting on an nba floor i thought it was awesome to see and then as you said derek i think the more important stuff we knew that Jaden springer could defend right like even yeah. coming out as a, a really young rookie he was getting all kinds of praise for what he could do in practice what he did in the g league but seeing his decision-making improve on offense and looking like a good fit, honestly, within Nick Nurse's offensive, he doesn't have to run it, obviously, but just being a good secondary decision-maker, mm -hmm. making those drop-off passes, taking the open shot when it's there, running dribble handoffs, I thought that showed, you know, not a night and day difference, but a giant difference from yeah. the last couple of years. I would him. even go night and day. It doesn't mean he's where he needs to be. It's just he was starting point was pretty far back. If he has closed some of that gap, um, I mean, we said before the season, 
he's an NBA defender right now. Not like a capable NBA defender, like a potentially impactful NBA defender. He can move his feet. He can defend multiple positions. Uh, he can fight through screens. He's quick hands. He knows when to, uh, to to really gamble. Like he's a good NBA defender right now. Maybe very good NBA defender. You just need that offense to catch up. And you know he made how many threes did he make? Where's I think he was line? two for two. Two for last two night. from three. Uh, he attacked a couple closeouts. Not doing anything too crazy with the ball, which is a good thing because there are some people who are maybe doing things a little too crazy that we'll talk about <laughs> later. In order to stay on the court, he needs to limit his mistakes. Was he perfect? No. But he was capable. And again, for the first time watching him, maybe one or two games late in this last season, but for the first time it really went, oh, that, that guy looks like an NBA player. Yeah, and I think when you look at how some of those other guys played who are role players that are asking, being asked to scale up compared to where they were last season, he looked more composed than guys who have been in the league for, mm-hmm. you know, seven, eight, nine, ten years, ten-plus years. Maybe in guys who are trying to stand out rather than fit in. <laughs> we will certainly get to our, our good friend with the sunglasses, Kelly Oubre, at some point during this podcast. But, but yeah, this has always been – I mean, the shot <laughs> is the big question, right? And yeah. when we get to big-time games, playoff games, where it's a possession-by-possession possession game, then all that stuff and his outside touch, that's really going to matter and how willing he is to shoot – is really going to matter. But for me, that's that's a later concern. What I wanted to see at some point during the preseason, and we already got it in the opener, is is this guy an NBA rotation player? I think if it's not a definitive yes, then we're moving toward yes. And that one, as we said before, that's going to make their option decision for him easier. If he yep. has a great preseason, it's basically a no-brainer. They don't have a ton of ascending young talent on the roster so they got to keep this guy around and also it just gives nick nurse another weapon and more versatility off of the bench we have mike d asking where do springer's minutes come from how does the guard rotation go i think it's probably a little premature like as much as we can get excited about this game it is still one it is still just one preseason plays with harden and and bead on the floor Uh, let's see if he can do this multiple games in a row but the initial signs and look I we talked about this very recently. I think he has a chance to be in the rotation day one just because they need his skill set so much. Well, now after that performance, he certainly has a better chance of being in a rotation. And I think that is a. I mean, it, it, him popping and him developing would just be like for. A, but when we look at so many defensive concerns on the perimeter, he can fit in almost any lineup, and that would be great. And so we have Tyreek saying that he admits the fact that it was the offseason and Phillies and Eagles are going on. It was hard for him to tune in. Sure. And I get it. Like, we've been talking with you guys about that sentiment basically since day one of the show. But I think something like this, some excitement through a young player that maybe we had low-ish expectations for coming in is the reason to get a little bit more excited than I think people were throughout the offseason. And look, if you don't have time to sit there and watch the whole game, or maybe you're just not that interested, you can still tune in, listen to us. You can learn and through osmosis. we will osmosis. catch you up, I promise. We will talk about this team all the time. Tune in, subscribe, uh, hit the bell notification to get, uh, or bell icon to get notifications on YouTube. Subscribe to Audio Player. We have plenty of links. Go to PHLY underscore Sixers on Twitter, and you can find all of them. And Tyreek, we appreciate you being here, and we are also excited for a person whose name I won't say under advisement of legal authorities. I'm just kidding. I think you can say his name. Yeah, just... no, we are excited for Devon when he's able to eventually God, join us. God, if I could us. just spend one or two days not talking to Kyle, I'll appreciate Devon. Really, I'm sick of this right guy there. already. I need, we need the middle seat <laughs> to be filled by someone to, to get between us. So let's take, a, I think, a quick 
quick ad break, Derek, and then we'll get back to talking about last night's preseason game. So things are heating up at the ballpark. As you guys know, you see both got the Phillies hats on today. Every team playing to finish the season strong, make it into the playoffs. And with DraftKings Sportsbook, you won't miss a moment of the baseball action. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets, betting just $5 on baseball. And all customers can take a crack at a sweet payday with DraftKings same-game parlays. String together multiple bets from a single game for your shot at a major payout. So what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code PHLY. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on baseball. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code PHLY. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly. On behalf of Boothill Casino and Resort in Kansas, licensee partner Golden Nugget, Lake Charles, Louisiana, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. See dkng.co slash baseball for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Nailed it. All right. We also want to give a quick shout out to Restoration 360. Once again, they were the sponsor. Two thumbs up. For last Thank week's you, trip. It was incredible. When disaster strikes, call the company that cares. Restoration 360. Your trusted partner in restoration and recovery. No job too big or small. Fire, water, mold. No matter the damage, we're here to make it right. Call Restoration 360 today at 215-273-3592 or visit our website at restoration360.com for more information. Restoration 360. We're here for you every step of the way. Fast, experienced, dependable. Available 24-7 because disasters don't wait. Call now at 215-273-3592 or visit them online at restoration360.com. So we have a few questions that I think We have are... another 35 minutes on Jaden, right? We're not pivoting yet? <laughs> we have some questions that are more along the lines of some later topics. I think okay. we'll just probably bring them in now. Uh, okay, sure. Elaine Bruno asks, can Embiid fit in a free-flowing offense or will he clog it up? And so one of the things I wanted to talk with you about, Derek, are the stylistic changes I think we saw yeah. They played last really quick game. last night. Their pace yep. in that game was better than... I'd say like 90% of their games last year, yeah. or maybe even yep. you could go as far as 100. And I think that was probably the most obvious change from the Doc Rivers style team and the James Harden, Joel Embiid team to last night. I think one of the one of my favorite plays of the entire game came in the first quarter. Tyrese Maxey gets a ball in the backcourt. Tobias Harris is already three quarters of the way down the floor, hits him with a hit-ahead pass, two dribbles, goes up at the rim, gets fouled, and gets free throws. And that is what Nick Nurse has been preaching, right, is that it doesn't have to be in one guy's hands. It doesn't right. have to be in two guys' hands. We're going to get the ball up the floor, and we're going to score by any means necessary, however it is possible. And so I thought the pace and their willingness to run off of misses and turnovers – was night and day compared to most of what we saw last yeah. season. Yeah, and look, will the pace, especially when you start talking about pace as like a statistic, will that slow down? Of course, because once they get in the half court, they're going to be a little bit more deliberate. Yeah. Maybe not as deliberate as they were last year or in previous years, but they'll still be more deliberate than they were last night because they have this big seven-foot-two center to run the offense through. But there's always like, just because Joe's not going to be running down the floor and in, in transition those kind of hit-ahead passes are always there. Yeah. You have to be looking for them. You have to be committed to running. 
Uh, part of the problem in prior years is they were so bad at defensive rebounding that I think people stuck back a little more and didn't leak out like they wanted to. But if they can secure that rebound, they have a few more athletes this year to try to run, especially in lineups like you had last night. They have to be a faster-paced team. It won't be like it was last night. Last night was stark, and even the Boston announcers spent all, all game talking about, like, man, they, we never see them run this quickly. Yeah. They have to be more intentional with their transition offense because it just makes it like this team, especially when you dribble 30, you know, 22 of the 24 seconds out of the, the shot clock, it gets a lot easier to defend. Like once you get deep and James Harden is as deliberate and as good being deliberate as everyone, but it just feels like it infects the team a little bit. They need to get some early shots up. Well, that's why. So, I mean, the Golden State Warriors at their apex were a great half court ball movement team with two of, if not the two greatest shooters of all time in the NBA. And even still, one of the big reasons they were such a dangerous team is that they ran on everything. Yep. And they would go on those, at Oracle in the third quarter, there's a reason they were so good in that third quarter, is they came out of halftime and it was like they were shot out of a cannon. And Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and all these guys are raining threes on people. And look, the Sixers don't have Steph Curry and they don't have Clay Thompson, but they can get out and get easy buckets and they can democratize the transition game a little bit. You know, one of the things that I think was a problem, Ben Simmons individually was a great transition player when he was here, right? All of us can agree on that. One of the problems with their offense in transition at that time is that it became, okay, it's only Ben who's doing this. And maybe you miss out on some some skip passes and some other guys take grab it and go and you're looking too much for Ben. And I think yeah. one thing I was encouraged by last night under Nick is it was just like, okay, one time it might be Tobias and one time it might be Pat Bev or Jaden Springer or whoever. And these guys are not really thinking about, I got to get it to the point guard. I got to get it to this guy. We just have to get it up the floor as quickly as possible, however we can do right. it. And I think that's something I really liked seeing that changed, you know, We'll see, uh, to the original question that we're building this off of, we'll see once Joel's on the floor and once James is on the floor, how that changes and if these guys buy in. Yep. But I do think, you know, from a, a starting point and seeing these guys all embrace what Nick is selling, I think that was really encouraging on yeah. night one. No, especially in fringe. We can talk about like ball movement uh, and, and spreading it out and get egalitarian offense. And there are certainly times where it's like, hey, Paul, you're probably trying to do a little too much last night. Certainly Ubre and Dan House, like maybe one or two extra Dan House pick and rolls and I would have ideally wanted. But it is a preseason. You do have all of your big guns out. You understand it now. But if that's sort of like, not that many, but one or two of them is what it takes to keep them focused on defensive end, fine. But, you know, it, you just, you need that transition because it makes everything easier. Um, and in terms way, of... Um, well, I just while we're on this point, I do think Joel has said that he wants to buy into this, that this is how he believes yeah. they win. Now, whether Joel yeah. actually buys into it is a different story. You know, I always think back to most of the people. I wasn't alive when the movie Airplane came out, I don't think. But most of the people in here have probably never seen the movie Airplane. But Kareem Abdul-Jabbar has a famous line in that movie talking about, well, how would you act if you had to carry Lanier up and down the floor every single <laughs> right. night? And so I think about that watching Joel, right? Like you want him to get up and down the floor quicker and, and play at the pace of somebody like Maxi, somebody like Tobias, right. but Tyrese Maxi isn't seven feet tall and, you know, 280 pounds or whatever. So right. it is a little bit of a different burden 
on Joel. But I think going back to something I wrote the very first day we launched PHLY is that if these other guys run and these other guys score and Joel doesn't have to get all the way down the floor and he can live in that trail spot as a three-point shooter in transition, the wear and tear is just not there. There's not as much for him. You don't have to play through him in the post, getting an elbow in the back over and over again from Al Horford or Jokic or whoever he might be playing against on a different night. So playing fast ultimately benefits Joel and then it gives him so much more energy on the defensive end of the floor and he doesn't have to create from a standstill on a play-to-play basis. Agreed. All right, I think the other main topic, and if you would have asked in the first quarter, this would have been the main topic. Tyrese Maxey ended up with 24 points on 9 for 17 shooting, launched 9 threes in 28 minutes, which, which I love. Four rebounds, four assists. It felt like in the first half, every time he pulled up off the dribble, the wall was going in. What did you see from him? So beyond the, the pull-up shooting is obviously great, right? We've seen that evolve from Tyrese being such a reluctant shooter to one also, of the best I, shooters I in did the look it up. league. I was born after airplane. It would have, I would have felt a little old if you had said that, and I was. Yeah, I'm not sure. We might have a couple people in here who were born before airplane, but not many. I would imagine on a YouTube stream. Uh, so yeah, Tyrese's pull up shooting was great. My favorite play of his the entire night was getting Al Horford on an island on a switch, and Tyrese in the past when. He's gotten favorable matchups. There'll be times when he lets the defender off the hook. And some of that is not having as advanced of a self-creation game yet. He's got to work on his his hesitation moves, his crossovers, things like that. But he stared down Al Horford and just left him in the dust. And I will say, I make fun of Al Horford from time to time for how he's slowed down. He looked really spry last night, like looked like the offseason had done him well. So for Maxi to just drive completely past him and get to the rim and score with Kristaps Porzingis waiting back there, mind you, that was one of the most encouraging moments of the night for me because I know he can hit pull-up shots. I know he's a great catch-and-shoot guy. The more he gets to the rim, the more he's going to get fouled, the more he's going to get those free opportunities at the line, the more playmaking opportunities there are for him, which I think is the big thing. He obviously didn't do a lot of playmaking last night, but if he's going to score 19 points a half, essentially, I, I don't think anyone's going to think too much about how high his assist total is going to be. Yeah, and you mentioned Al looking pretty spry. I thought most of the older gentlemen on that floor looked pretty good physically. I would agree, like yeah. Pat Bev, I thought, moved okay. I thought Danny looked better than he did with the Clippers, now or with the Cavs, the Cavs last yeah. year. Um, now, Danny looked really bad with the Cavs. He was coming off of those injuries, those knee injuries. Um, but I thought he looked reasonable. Um, you know, all, overall, I thought the Sixers' older players, uh, P.J. Tucker, I thought, looked pretty good. P.J. Tucker now, would look better than he did 90% of last year. It's game one of the preseason. You don't know whether how much the other team is moving at 100%. But in terms of just how they moved around, I thought, for the most part, they looked better than expected. Well, um, so what did you see? Was there anything Tyrese did that surprised you in Sunday night's game? I wouldn't say necessarily surprised. I do, to your point, uh, he had one where, I forget who set a screen for him, but he set a screen for him like 30 feet out. And he attacked space in a way that he doesn't always attack space. Um, A lot of times he will let them off the hook. He didn't settle for that pull-up jumper, which is a fantastic shot, but he took it all the way, had a a nice layup around the rim, um, as opposed to layups away from the rim. I don't know why I said that. Um, (laughs) Layups are only at the rim for the record. By definition. 
and I thought he had a little more hesitation in some of his moves. You know, he's he's a guy who a lot of times is full speed all the time, and he's still it's very full speed quick. or no speed. Yeah, yeah. but it, he it felt like he was getting people off balance a little more, and he, I thought he looked real good. And he he's continues to give effort defensively, and this is part of the reason why I I don't. I feel guilty, I guess, picking on him defensively because he's he's he wants been a to be bad good. defender. He's a, yeah. he gives effort. He's engaged. Um, I thought he gave good. I mean, they were very active defensively, and I thought that was fun to see. So one thing that I saw from him, but was also common with the team, they were helping a lot more at the nail off of shooters, and he actually created a turnover. I want to say it was Tatum driving at Pat Bev fairly early in the game. Yep. Tyrese dug down, and as Tatum was spinning picked him and they ran the other way for a transition basket. And that's an example, I think, of, you know, nurses making some small tweaks, but also Tyrese is being powered with his speed and, as you said, his want to be good at defense to gamble a little bit and get in there and say, you know, you have quick enough hands, you can pick guys off, and we want to weaponize you in that way and not just use your speed all on the offensive end of the floor. So I thought – that was really nice to see. I think he certainly, and this is true of a lot of other guys too, he was embracing what I think are concepts that Nick brought up during training camp, which was a lot of high hands, keeping your hand and communicating a lot more. Tyrese has never been a super vocal defender. And, you know, some of that is because Joel's not playing. Their leader of the team essentially is not playing. So he has to take on a bigger role. But seeing him do that and seeing him now in – as a 22-year-old that, hey, I'm mm-hmm. one of the leaders of this team. I need to step up and do this on both ends of the floor. I think that's a you know a nice piece of development that hopefully that sticks moving forward. Yeah, and like to your point, like he's going to have his defensive problems yeah. where he's not going to get he's through just, screens. You can only get around size so sure. much. Sure, and he, like he's, his decision-making is still not there. The communication, even though he's communicating more, a lot of times there's still miscommunications. In order to make up for some of that, you've got to be aggressive uh, for, trying to force those turnovers, like you said, digging down or jumping passing lanes, something because you need to offset um, being exploited. It, it, he he played he played well. I would have liked to have seen a little like I, especially at the beginning. I didn't necessarily like that. And I thought Pat Brev played pretty good, pretty well. I would have liked to have seen them staggered a little bit more. Just give the ball to Tyrese a little bit more. I thought you know Beverly bringing it up. Like I just I just want to see more of Tyrese Maxey in that lead role guard or lead guard role. Um, you know, I, it's, I would have loved to have seen a little more playmaking because we put so much emphasis on it. And yeah, I saw some people, I saw some people mentioning like, Hey, like he was passing. They just weren't making shots. He didn't create that many opportunities. Like I don't think he forced as many rotations as you want him to. That's probably nitpicking, but it's just such a key point that we've focused on all preseason. That was maybe my only real, I don't even want to say negative. It was just one thing I would have liked to see more of. Listen, if we're going to do an hour on preseason basketball, there will be nitpicking because there's <laughs> there's no way that we can do anything else. But let's hold that thought for a second. We're going to talk about our friends at game time. You know, I've, there are a lot of Philadelphia sports events that everybody's trying to get to right now. Hot Phillies ticket on Wednesday night. Hopefully they're closing out the series on Wednesday. And if you want to buy tickets to your favorite events, whether it's sports, music, comedy, theater, and get killer deals on last-minute tickets, Game Time is the place to be for last-minute ticket deals. And it's the fastest-growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps, you're set. 
and tickets get sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. If you're one of those people who's heading down for a tailgate in the next couple of weeks or so, and at the last minute you decide, hey, I'm, I'm just going to go and get tickets for myself. I can't miss this opportunity. You can get them quickly and afford, at an affordable price through Game Time. So snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code PHLY for $20 off of your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Martian Lynch. 33 in the chat saying, was it me or did we look good in gang rebounding? I thought they looked much better as a team rebounding group. I think there was, you could tell there was a point of emphasis that the guards needed to yep. crash the glass as hard as the big men were. And Springer was doing it. Maxi was doing it pretty well. Pat Bev did it a little size. bit. Yep. Yeah, I, you could just, there were a lot of bodies around the rim. And the good thing is that there was not a trade-off between that and playing fast, right? Like yep. some of the... Some of the reason that I think they gave up offensive rebounds in the past is they tried to release a lot of guys sooner because they James Harden or Joel Embiid could hit them with outlets, but it didn't end up working out that way right. in practice. So part a big part of defense, as it turns out, is securing a rebound. It helps. Ending a it possession. Yeah. And so seeing that was really good. Obviously, they still had some trouble at times. They did play small lineups like when paul reads your center and you're playing maxi pat bev and springer even if those guys have toughness and athleticism there's only so much you can make up for yeah. with you know heart and fight but i do think that to that point that marsham brought up i the rebounding or the gang rebounding was good i think it'll be even better when they have joel and b challenging shots at the rim yep. and all those guys you know going for rebounds behind him i agree i agree so I guess the next next point of emphasis here would be what did you see defensively overall and what do you think looked different than under Doc Rivers? Well, certainly they were more aggressive in trying to help on the ball handlers and getting their hands in there, uh, digging down from the, the wings. You mentioned Maxi. Uh, I mentioned Springer doing the exact same thing a while ago. When the opponent put the ball on the floor, when Boston put the ball on the floor, like they were willing to help off and try to force turnovers. And they didn't really get burned too badly for most of the game in terms of giving up the open threes. I think part of that is because they had a lot of athletes on there and probably more athletes than they're going to have when the regular season starts. Um, they just had a lot more flexibility defensively, but they were I mean, significantly more aggressive. Yeah. Uh, Andrew, I wanted to pull up that, that other clip we had. There was a, a possession in, I believe it was the second half last night. This is one of my favorite sequences for our YouTube viewers of the entire game. And it's not a lineup we're likely to see. I believe it's Maxi, Ubre, Springer, Reed, and Pat Bev. But these guys fly around the floor. There's ball pressure at every moment. And it ends up with Jalen Brown basically dribbling into three Sixers players yep. and the ball getting knocked out of bounds. And the thing that stood out to me for the first game of the preseason, which means absolutely nothing. Nothing, yep. These guys showed a level of intensity that we saw barely ever last season. And that honestly includes in the playoffs. There were not a ton of moments where I saw the Sixers flying around like this on defense. Certainly, we saw lots of good offensive execution. We saw great individual defensive efforts at times. But rarely did I feel, oh, these guys are on a string. They're just moving all yep. in unison together. 
And so to see that in game one for a team that's still kind of moving pieces around, that didn't have all their best players, I thought that was fantastic. And I thought that was just a great sign of, I guess, the training camp that they had. Because he says, look, we, we didn't get to see these practices. And they're telling us, yeah, we're getting after it. Yeah, we're right, instilling right. all our principles. But until you see it on the floor, you don't really know if any of that's true. They could have come out last night and laid a giant egg and P.J. Tucker doesn't really give a damn because it's the yep. preseason. But I thought the level of give a shit was way higher than it had any right to be in a preseason game. And I do think that that bodes well heading into the Agreed. season. We have a little bit of a debate right now in the chat. Basically, and I'm going to paraphrase because there's a couple people saying it. Have the Celtics gotten better? We've talked a lot about the Celtics here in a couple in the weeks leading up here, but we now got a firsthand look at it. Um, I do think they got better, and there's certainly maybe more volatility there because they there's did lose be growing pains they, too. Well, and they did lose some of their depth, and they're betting on uh, you know players who are injury prone, especially Porzingis, and they don't have the big man depth that they previously did. But that being said, if you go back really early in that game, you could just see the Celtics floor space and causing the Sixers problems. Like there was one where I think Bamba was, um, you know, really hugging Porzingis out on the three-point line, top of the key, and he just made a real easy pass over the top of him because he had a rim protector pulled away. There was one where Porzingis hit a corner three, and it was just a real, real easy driving kick for Jason Tatum. And Paul Reed was, I think, caught a little bit in no man's land uh, because you had to help on the drive, but you had to get back in the corner to contest Porzingis, which you can't really even contest because he's seven foot a million. Yeah, and it's a, it's an unblockable shot. When they have, when they're able to space the floor like that, we talked about it a lot. It just makes everyone's decisions easy. And that pass that I'm specifically referring to, it might have been the first bucket of the game for the Celtics. It wasn't anything special from for Jason Tatum. It's just so easy of a pass to yeah. make, and he's going to have those kind of passes all year long. When they're healthy, they can go. You know, they're top six. They can sp space the floor at all times, and especially when you can pull rim protectors like the Sixers, who are built around rim protection. When you can pull them away and make them a non-factor on defense, that's going to be tough to come uh, work well, against. Well, let's be clear. With Joe specifically, one of the big problems he's had historically in the playoffs is when he's got to play that game with Al Horford yep. where he doesn't know if he should close hard and then give up a drive to the rim or sag off, and then you're giving up a three to a guy who historically has been a pretty good three-point shooter. Yep. And now you're going to have two of those bigs who can put those problems on you. Now, again, the other side of it is if he's on the floor and it's just Porzingis, he should destroy him on the other end of the floor and you put him in foul trouble and then there are ramifications mm -hmm. because of that. As of right now, if Porzingis is in foul trouble, it's Luke Cornett is essentially the, the option behind him. And no disrespect to Luke Cornett, but Robert Williams a little more of a dynamic talent yep. defensively. So... That's something to keep an eye on from a Sixers perspective. But, yeah, I think Chris Stapps looked like a hand-in-glove fit already. Yep. There were some trouble spots for them on both ends of the floor. I think they honestly shot poorly coming out to start the game last night, which what are you going to do? But, yeah, I, I think I saw enough in the proof of concept for Boston that I still think that they made some really good, really impactful trades for them. and. The Sixers are not going to be favored against them in basically any no. game this year, and they don't deserve to be. But I do think my fears were calmed somewhat seeing them fight and fight well against that well, team. Well, and seeing Tyrese Maxey have success, because that's been a real that tough matchup yes, for him. You're right. Yeah. Because historically, I mean, even in that second-round series this year, Tyrese had what? Like one really yeah. good game? Yeah. I think it was the game five that they won on the road, and other than that was – 
either bad or up and down throughout the course of a game. So, yeah, to see Tyrese play well against that team specifically, great start to the preseason. Uh, do we want to get to the negatives at I this guess. point? Because um, we have hit on a lot of positives so far, but it was not all sunshine and rainbows. So, you know, we mentioned Pat Bev, and he looked maybe a little more spry than we were expecting. Same with PJ. Some of the other offseason additions I didn't think looked quite as good, specifically Mo Bamba and Kelly Oubre. Um, they both struggled. And I, quite honestly, I thought Paul Reed struggled too. He did. And I mentioned defensively he was caught in no man's land a couple times here um, in the beginning. And that's fine. Like, he's not going to be playing. He's not going to be starting, like, against the other team's best lineups. You're not going to be asking him to play 35 minutes when he's playing 15 minutes off the bench. You can live with his mistakes if he's going to cause havoc, and he's going to cause havoc. I'm confident in that. And he, I will say he might have struggled all overall, but I thought his pursuit on the offensive glass, like it's a lot easier to appreciate what he does well and discard what he doesn't when he's playing 15 minutes versus a role he was asked to play last night. Um, that being said, there are just some players, Bamba, Reed, House, Ubre, who just tried to do too much. Yeah. And on the one hand, it's like, all right, it's preseason. On the other hand, some of these players, like, they have a history of trying to do a little too much. And Bombo with the shot selection, decision-making, Uber, I mean, Ubre. What was that quote? We don't have that quote now. But on Friday, when they basically asked him, like, do you think you can fit in with the squad? He's like, fit in? I'm not, I'm trying to stand out. Yeah. And that is the exact reason that you can score 20 a, points a game. A harbinger of doom. Right, and be <laughs> on a minimum salary contract. It's that exact attitude. And he plays like it. He's... You know, the exact quote like was, it. I don't see myself fitting in. <laughs> right. I see myself standing out from the Kelly. The exact Uber. worst thing you could have said in that moment, but he said it with so much confidence that, I mean, hat tip to him. But there are just some players doing too much. And some of them, like Paul Reed specifically, you think, all right, he'll dial that back when he's playing with the, the main players. I think he's shown that he'll buy right. into a very specific role when it's time to do Kelly so. Kelly Oubre, I'm not sure I share that confidence level. No. Yeah. And look, I will say this for Kelly. I don't want to completely crap on him right now. He had a few moments last night where it's like, oh, okay, they can get some self-creation off the wing. He drove by Drew Holiday for a dunk. I thought there was a nice moment where I can't remember who passed it to him. But he cut off yes. the ball through the middle of the lane, scored an easy bucket at the rim. And I thought he was all right defensively, too. Like, well, I thought he was active as well. that sequence that we showed yeah. earlier, he was a key part of that. He's someone that he showed his length and got up into guys' That's chest. That's why he's going to drive me insane, though, because he can defend, because he can cut, because he can't um, sort of make an open catch-shoot three if he stops taking the contested ones. It's because he then screws it up by making all kinds of mistakes, and he's just going to drive me insane all year because he should be a productive player. He should be a useful role player. He, he should. should. I mean, you can see it in him, right? And that's why all these teams say, well, maybe we'll be the team to fix him. And that's why all these teams ultimately say, we are not going to be the team to fix right. Kelly Oubre. And Randy in the chat saying, as a bench scorer, we have no one left to shoot. He's still viewing him as a net positive. I'm telling you, give you, give you two months, and you're going to be pulling your hair out. Look, there are going to be a game or two, perhaps more, this season where Ubre might pull him out of the fire because sure. he just has yep. a random 100%. blinder type night. And the, it'll be worth having him on the team for that. Again, he's on a minimum contract. So if you can get even a few good Ubre games, that's great. That's awesome. And that's, I think, found money for this team. Derek and I's contention is that when you see him go off script and he's not bought into the, I don't like to say playing the right way, but just like the team system and the philosophy that Nurse is preaching to move the ball and all that. Here's the thing. He wasn't the only guy who was guilty of this, no, right? not at all. 
Daniel House made a big show at training camp of saying, look, Doc was a two-guys offense and everybody he's else just stand ball, around. He's going to let me run pick and roll. And then D. House came into that game last yep. night and decided it's Daniel House time, and he ran some dribble handoffs where he tried to get to the rim and threw up some runners or layup attempts, however you want to categorize them. And they were terrible, and they had no chance of going in. But if you can get him to buy in on defense that way, then I guess that – Net positive eventually. Yeah. It's just the, that's the, the tricky part. Sharing the ball and letting role players run pick and roll sounds great until you watch some of them run pick and roll and then you start questioning it. Yeah, sure. Look, I it's going to be a balance. And I think the good thing is none of these role players who are coming in off the bench that includes Ubre, that includes D House, guys like Danny Green, if they're not playing the way Nurse wants them to he can go to one of the other options and say, well, we're not dealing with that. I'm going to put this guy in the game instead. Or quite frankly, I'll put Jaden Springer in the game instead, and we'll play small. We'll play Tyrese and DeAnthony Melton and Jaden Springer yep. and then just play them with you know, Joel Embiid and maybe Tobias and say, we'll go to war with those guys. I think that's ultimately the best part about Springer having such a good game is that you can point to some of these older guys and say, look, your time might be up if you don't buy into the philosophy that I'm preaching. We have Martian Lynch asking a question in chat. And leave if you if you have a question, leave it in the chat. We'll try to get to him towards the end. What's a point average from Ubre that you would consider a net positive? So he averaged 22.6 points per 36 last year. I want him to average 14. I want him to average way fewer points per minute because then he's taking good shots and not trying to do I just too want much. the efficiency up. I don't think That's there's really a number. Is, yeah. yeah. I don't yeah. think there's a number point per game wise that I really care about. If he scores four points but as a good team defender that they can weaponize sure. on, on hedges and blitzes and switch him in lineups with reed and house and springer and these guys and he's just a productive off-ball cutter and transition player that's that's absolutely perfect that's that's my point though a lower point per game would be indicative of a player buying into a role that he's more yes. capable of producing yeah right. he, him scoring a lot of points would honestly probably be a bad sign yes that's exactly my point uh, again, drop any questions in chat if you have them. We'll try to get to them. Quick word from FOCO. FOCO is a leading manu manufacturer of sports and entertainment merchandise with a product line that includes apparel, accessories, toys, collectibles, novelty items, and more. It's the best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms. And with it being football and tailgating season, it means overalls, hoodies, hats, sunglasses, bags, everything you need for a game. FOCO has hooked PHLY up and provided awesome pieces for our sets. FOCO always has our back for Philly sports, and they have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in our description. For all non-presale items, use a promo code PHLY for 10% off. So also in the negative column, I know you brought him up briefly. I thought Mo Bamba was just yeah. horrendous. Yep. And, you know, maybe we it's connected to Paul in a way in that if they trade Harden at some point, I do think people need to be prepared for the fact that James Harden got a lot out of Paul Reed last year that mm -hmm. maybe he would not be able to get when he has to self-create more. Yep. Like for whatever the problems are with James Harden, Joel Embiid dominating the ball, James Harden running a bench offense with a bunch of limited players and saying, I will get you the shot that is your shot in your spot at the time that you need it is a really, really valuable thing for those units. It might They might not have won those minutes by – 
a ton, and at times they're just basically drawing people to a standstill. But if you draw people to a standstill while Embiid's on the bench, you're doing all right. That that alone yeah. would have maybe won the Sixers a title in 2019 if they had somebody who was doing that. And so maybe they end up better off in the long term with somebody who is not hardened. But I do think guys like Reed, guys like Bamba, who could use someone spoon-feeding them looks mm-hmm. – they will inevitably have an adjustment period if Harden is sent out of town. No, there's, I mean, this sort of goes back to the Maxi conversation we're having. There's no other player on the roster who can create a good look for a rolling big like James Harden can. And we saw that time and time again last year, where especially Paul Reed as a short roll, when now instead of trying to, you know, put the ball on deck three or four times from the perimeter, he's putting the ball on once and maybe spinning or using his, his length to shoot over people. He's got good touch until you ask him to do too much. Yeah. And, Certainly last night at times you're trying to do too much. Mobamba was taking fadeaways that Mobamba never should take. Uh, and I think James Harden certainly helps those kind of players get into a role that they, they can succeed in. And that is one area where just the creation, you could see that lacking for sure. Yeah, and look, that's the guards that they have. And we can talk up Tyrese Maxey until the cows come home. That is a limitation that he has. He's not someone – he can go get his own offense basically Where's whenever. Where that saying come from? Do, do cows ever leave? Like what – I don't know. I don't actually know what the, the I don't know either. That's origin of that is. That's something to to look up at some Did, point. Anybody in the chat, if you know, please. If you know it's where gonna, the phrase, it's gonna drive me when the cows the come home, until yeah. the cows come home, where that came from, by all means, sound off. Even if you're making it up, I'll probably believe it. Sure. But, but yeah, so Tyrese can certainly go out and get his own offense and score. Bench lineups are where his lack of playmaking will really matter and where they need him to take that next step because – we heard about it in training camp. Hey, he's throwing lobs to Paul and Mo and some of these other guys. Well, we need to see that play out on the floor with him yep. running those groups. So we'll see. Again, it's only night one, so I don't want to say, oh, Tyrese didn't make any progress as a, a playmaker or anything because he focused on scoring on a night without Joel and James. Sure. It's, some of that's just by necessity. But you are going to see a drop-off for some of these bench guys without James. I mean, look, they have, without James, they don't have a plus passer on the roster. And especially for limited big men, you need someone to create an advantage so they can take advantage of it. And they just don't have it. Um, it's, I mean, yeah. And to your point, like you you, you can only see so much from one game, uh, but it's just, it's, it's always been a weakness of Tyrese. And it's, we've talked about this so many times, but it's always also one where it's just tougher to project that kind of development and growth. Um, so every time he doesn't show it, it's like, all right, well, you have to almost take note of it, uh, just because it's so incredibly important and it would change everything about the team, but it is only one game. Yeah. So Rick brought up in the chat, he says nurse was on board with the Ubre signing. So maybe there's an understanding about what is expected of Ubre. I would agree with that. And based on what Kelly said at media day, Nick has been very clear with him. This is an opportunity for you. This is not you walking into the team and. Every single night, you're just getting 20 to 25 minutes. This is a spot where he's going to have to earn his minutes on the floor. Now, that being said, it is Kelly Oubre with a documented history of playing the way he plays. And so you're fighting his nature, essentially, is what it gets down to here. And we can sit here and say Nurse is giving the right message, and I think he is. And Kelly, I think, has received the message. He's hearing what they say. But he is pretty deep into his career, a career that's sure. made him a good amount of money up to this point, even if he's on a minimum this year. I don't know if he's going to buy in or not. And 
all we're saying after night one is that he looks a lot like the Kelly Oubre we've seen for yeah. the entire time that he's been in the league. No, especially for someone who's, what, 27? The best indication of the future is probably the past. Yeah. Like, if he was going to change who he was, it probably, it's not like this is the first time he's been on a good team. He was on the Warriors. Um, you know, hope for the best, but... I know where my expectations are. And to be clear, again, we saw the flashes, right? Yep. You can see That's why, why he annoys the hell out of me. Yes. Again, yes. You can see why GMs and coaches and even teammates are like, this guy could really be something. And that's why teams keep taking bets and, and wanting him on the roster because they want to be the team that finally gets through to him and finally got Kelly Oubre to buy in. I'm just not confident that that's going to happen. Got a debate in the chat of whether they will hit 50 yeah. wins. We will not comment on that yet because we will have a prediction show before the season starts. Don't want to give away the uh, the deets too early. Yeah, I mean, I would say generally, though, I'd, I'd probably lean over 49 and Joel's a half. a walking 50 spot. I, I think yeah. Joel Embiid, as long as he's healthy, the Sixers have a chance to win 50 games. I, I think that's kind of just where I'm at. Now, obviously, knock on wood with his health. We'll see what happens with him. But Not only that, but you have... Brian Winder is saying that he thinks the most likely outcome is Harden and that Dale might be a whole show tomorrow. So let's hold, let's keep that. <laughs> realize in the bag that they for need later. each other. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. We'll yeah. See. So no, that's probably about a good spot to wrap yeah. up for today. I mean, look, I think in terms of of it is something where like all summer it's like, oh man, this fucking team. Like, yeah, I love basketball, but this team's a slog. And then all of a sudden you see like Jaden Springer rip the ball away once and get them get out in transition or Tyrese Maxey hit a 27-footer off the dribble. And it's like, I'm back. I'm back <laughs> Everybody's in. back. I'm yeah, back it's, Look, I, that's why I, I love basketball. And every year it's like the first game is first day of school and I get excited again. And I don't know if, yep. if the fan base is going to embrace it, especially not until the Phillies are eliminated. Obviously, go Phil. So if they go up 2 nothing tonight. Kyle actually shamed me. I walked in here. It didn't have my hat on. <laughs> Derek is the only PHLY employee who walked in today. I had it in my car. I on. legitimately just got it, but Kyle forced me to turn right back around and get my hat. So I am representing. Yeah. So I don't, it doesn't look like a Harden is being traded anytime soon. And that obviously is going to drag some people down. But I think I personally am feeling more optimistic about the team after one preseason game that they lost to the Celtics, by the way, we have to mention that, but Peyton Pritchard tearing up to Quavion Smith. That full form play, man, that really hurt him. I don't really care. Sam Meyer says we are sickos. We absolutely are. So we'll be back with you guys tomorrow. Be talking more about the hardened trade picture and some other stuff. Obviously, if you guys are still here, thank you to Rick, RC, Martian, Sam, a lot of other people we've seen in the chat today. Matthew, if you guys can give us a subscribe and a thumbs up on the video on the way out, we will talk to you guys soon. And go Phils. Go Phils.